welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us this Easter Sunday, um, where normally I would say something funny like, hey, you guys got your Easter best or your Sunday best on, but I'm assuming for many of you, that's not the case. In fact, uh, you're probably sitting in some cozy jammies or something. Um, I, I would be at this moment. But anyway, thank you for joining us. Today is Easter Sunday. We celebrate the resurrected Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And I thank you for joining us um, online in your homes. We're going to read the story together of the first Easter Sunday from the Gospel of Mark. Verse 1 of chapter 16 says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Salome, Salome, Salami, um, <laughs> bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance? Of the tomb. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, by the way, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is how the epic gospel story of Mark ends. Chapter eight is the end. The women flee from the empty tomb. And it says they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Full stop, period, the end of the gospel of Mark. Now, I know what you're thinking, but my Bible has some additional verses. And yes, that's there. I know what you're thinking, wait, that can't possibly be the ending of the Gospel of Mark. This is not what you were expecting on Easter morning, perhaps. You see, your Bible has most likely uh, the rest of the book of Mark in italics, verses 9 through 20. But what you need to know is the original manuscripts that date back hundreds and thousands of years ago um, actually uh, don't have verses 9 through 20. It ends with verse 8. And what scholars believe is that those who are transcribing this story probably needed to add something to it, right? Like if you were transcribing and you saw verse eight, they, they don't say anything because they're afraid. As, a, as somebody who wants to transcribe a better ending, you might want to add some additional elements like you have power and authority to preach to all the creation and we're gonna have power over snakes, which is what it talks about. Um, you gotta add something because this is the moment. This is Easter. This is Easter Sunday. Are you with me? And I know you are. Amen? All right. This is one of the stories that you didn't see 
the ending coming, right? Like, how many of you on your quarantine holiday um, during this moment of physical isolation watched the Tiger King show, right? Is it Tiger King? I think I watched some of it. Alex watched most of it. Like, when you get to the end, you definitely see what's coming. There's no mystery in the story. From the beginning, when you're revealed to this, this character, you realize he's crazy, and it's gonna end with him being crazy and doing things, and that's just what you expect. In fact, the endings or the story is what Alex and I often um, disagree upon. You know, we, we have a little, we, we, we argue a little bit, my wife and I, not, not very much, just kidding. Um, we actually, we disagree on quite a bit, but we love each other. We agree upon the things that matter most. Um, but one of the things we often deal with is that crisis of what do you wanna watch tonight moment. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like I've seen all 10 seasons of Friends so many times. It's ridiculous. I, I can't even tell you like how many times I've seen the episode when Chandler's or Joey's head is inside the turkey or Chandler's head. I don't even know. Like it's getting to the point where it's overwhelming. Or my wife, she loves during Christmas the Hallmark Channel. She loves Hallmark shows. And I, I, it's like the same thing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Can I get some amens? Like she loves Gilmore Girl and Heart of Dixie and all these movies or shows that have very little story and you can just predict where it's all going in anyways. I like movies that have like power and impact and, and <laughs> I like real movies. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like Shawshank Redemption or Avengers Endgame or Star Wars. Just a moment of silence for Star Wars. Talk about an ending, the rise of Skywalker. Come on, like that story is a story. Now, I know I'm getting off track, but we're talking about the story of Mark and this great moment uh, where Mark ends the gospel, but he doesn't show you the resurrected Jesus. Matthew's gospel, yes. John's gospel, yes. Luke's gospel, yes. You see the risen Lord. It's this triumph, this moment. You get to see his hands and the scars. He talks to his disciples, but Mark doesn't show it to you. It ends with they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And I was thinking about it this week of all the stories we could share, of all the gospel accounts of the resurrection, the one we need in this moment, in this specific time, coronavirus moment, we need this one. We need to see the resurrection story through the eyes of Mark and what you see in these few verses, eight verses, you see frustration. Things didn't go the way the disciples wanted it to go. You see failure. Things got so bad for some that one of the disciples failed Jesus and failed to even show up to the tomb. And fear. Circumstances were so out of their control and their expectations were so disappointed that they became overwhelmed by the fear that was in the world and maybe even in their own heart. How many of you can relate to frustration, failure, fear in this moment? This is what the resurrection story deals with. It, it deals with something that I really wanna talk about first um, before we get to those things. It reveals something about faith. Faith, faith 
uh, is often something we make that it's not intended to be. We often try to make faith something that it's not. We try to make faith disconnected from real life, from real things. We often think of faith as this spiritual life that's disconnected from ordinary life. And I feel like for so many of us, Christianity has been this way of escaping the world, trying to get out of this place rather than just live in it as a redemptive presence. Faith is not about escape. You see, what you see in the scriptures over and over again is faith is found grounded in reality. It's flesh and blood. It's human. Faith is not the hope for escape from this place. And it's not the denial of reality. Faith is a deeper reality. Faith is recognizing something within is stronger than what is happening on the outside. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of what, has, what is not seen. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God and believing. Faith comes by believing something and letting that something take root inside of your life and goes, it goes deep inside. So you see, faith is a deeper reality found within oneself. What you have come to experience in your life dwells deep within you. Even when plans are frustrated, even when your dreams are crushed, when the year didn't turn out the way you thought it would turn out, when your job is gone and the future looks dismal, when you failed to be the person you want to be over and over again, and when that fear is so crippling and overwhelming, it paralyzes you. Faith is what you stand upon. Faith is that gentle hum that holds you together when the world is falling apart. You see, the resurrection story is grounded in reality. It, it deals with our frustrations. And that's what I need in this moment. It says in verse one, when the Sabbath was over. So after Jesus died on the cross, was buried, um, the day uh, on that Saturday he was buried, and then Sunday morning, very early in the morning, the two Marys and the Salami meat, sorry, Salome, brought spices. So they bought spices so they could finish the, the anointing of Jesus' body. They could finish the embalmment, the, the, the burial. And they go out early. Uh, in verse three, they, they're on their way to the tomb and they realize something. They're frustrated. Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? The, the stone was large and the women are frustrated, but they choose to remain faithful to what's in front of them. Their dreams had literally died. Their friend died, their rabbi died. Their hope of what the future might look like died and was buried in the tomb. They, in that moment, are carrying spices to finish the burial of Jesus, the burial of their dead friend, to finish the task of burying their would-be Messiah. They have the strength to go to the place where their dream died and do the best that they could with what they had They show up with frustrations, with expectations not being met. They show up even when things don't go the way it was planned. I believe that is a form of quiet strength for many of us. The women showed up and they get there. They're like, who's gonna roll away the stone? Which I believe, by the way, is a nod 
of indictment towards the men. Like as they're walking towards the grave, they realize that the men in their life that would be able to move the stone aren't there. What are they doing? Sleeping? Maybe dealing with their disappointment? But they're frustrated. And that's what's so beautiful about this story is they have these plans to finish the burial and their plans are frustrated by the task and they don't know who's gonna move the stone. And the story is so human. And it says in verse four, uh, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And he says, hey, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. You know he was crucified. You were there. But he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they led him, uh, laid him? And he points it out. Hey, check it out. He's not here. So I, I think faith in this story is showing up when you haven't seen the evidence of the resurrection yourself. They're just showing up to finish the task. They show up and Jesus is gone. He's risen. And this is the announcement. A young man's telling them, guys, he's not here. And then he says in verse seven, but go tell his disciples. Tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And this, this verse hit me so hard. Go and tell the disciples. Tell the disciples and Peter. Peter gets singled out. In this text, why does Peter get singled out? Well, the resurrection story addresses our failures. Check this out. It addresses the failures we have as, our, as followers and disciples of Jesus. The resurrection isn't about our success. The resurrection isn't about the success. It's actually about failure. What we didn't read today is the story of Peter, who at this point was seen as a miserable failure. You see, Peter, his story in the Gospel of Mark is one of not getting it, of one of missing it, of one of failure over and over again. Peter is seen as the disciple who continues to miss the mark, miss the point. And what's interesting is the Gospel of Mark is written by a guy named John Mark who traveled with Peter, but John Mark tells the story of Jesus through eyewitness accounts. And one of the persons who was um, telling the story of Jesus was the first-hand narration of the apostle Peter. The person who instructed the story to go this way, according to the scholars, is Peter himself. And so Peter paints this story as the disciple who misses it. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, what you see is Peter is brash. He's, he's a strong fisherman. And early on, he's called by Jesus to be a fisher of men, to become like Jesus as a disciple. But Peter misses it. He puts his foot in his mouth. He says the wrong thing. He shows up at the wrong time. He's missing the point over and over again. He'll say that, Jesus, you're the son of the living God. And then he'll say something like, hey, you could never die on the cross. And Jesus says, well, uh, get behind me, Satan. It's like one minute Jesus, Peter is walking on water, the next he's begging for his life because he's about to drown. Peter is seen in the gospel as competing, arguing, and missing the point. But the worst moment in Peter's life up until this point was the night that Jesus was betrayed. The night that he was betrayed, Jesus says to him, you will betray me. You will disown me, excuse me. 
Three times you will disown me. And, and Peter's like, no, there's no way. And sure enough, Jesus is arrested. Peter follows him. Jesus is being questioned. And three separate times, Peter denies knowing the re- Jesus. He denies knowing and being one of his disciples. The darkest night of Jesus' life and his closest friend, part of his inner circle denies him three times. Failure. Peter failed miserably. Often those who have the most faith carry the most disappointment when things don't go our way. But this man, this person, this young man in a white robe says, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Tell Peter. He singles him out. He calls him out by name because the resurrection is about redemption. Has there been anyone here, is anyone watching right now that feels like they've blown it this week? They failed this week or this month or this year. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost your career. Maybe you've lost patience and you've lost your temper and you failed to be the person you've wanted to be. And in this season, you have failed to be the person you've known you've been created to be. Resurrection has to do with redemption. And maybe today you're being called out by name. I needed to hear this this week. Go and tell the disciples and Darren. Put your name there. Tell that pastor who has anger issues, who is quick to speak and slow to listen, who loves to prove himself to other people and make other people happy and continues to say things on Sunday or in front of a camera, but then on Monday he lives differently. Go and tell that hypocrite. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? I needed this story this week. I needed to be reminded that the resurrection is not some polished moment of distant faith for something that happened a long time ago. It's still happening today. It's still an invitation to recognize that failure is not the last say, that when we fail, there is a God who meets us with grace. Go and tell Peter, why? Because God will use Peter. God will use the one who failed Jesus the most where, where that man warms himself up by a fire as Jesus is being questioned and denies even knowing him to slaves and servants. And 50 days later, after the resurrection on the day of Pentecost, when Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter will stand up in front of the crowd and he will say, you killed the author of life. Jesus lives. And Peter goes from failing miserably to standing up and proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ and then giving his life to the cause of Jesus and the church. The story is this. This resurrection story might not show um, the resurrected Jesus, but he is risen and risen indeed, and he takes those who have failed, and he uses the failure to produce something else. He uses it to build a platform of faith. Sometimes those, some of us have enough strength to quietly serve and finish the task even when we're frustrated. Some of us won't even show up to finish the job. But when we get singled out by Jesus, maybe today he's singling you out by name. Maybe today he wants you to know he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know that you've been made in his image, that God loves you, and he wants to take away the bondage that you carry, the sin that, that keeps you from being who you were designed to be. He wants to take away the pain and bring healing, and he wants to take away the failure and turn it into faith. He wants to flip things around. 
Because when we see the resurrection, when we hear about the resurrection and we step into that reality, we get to live life through the lens of grace. We get to live life through the lens of grace. But we won't get it by listening to a sermon. We won't get it because we read it in a story. We get it because we experience it for ourselves. That's why, that's why this angel or this man sitting in the tomb saying, go and tell Peter, go into Galilee. I'm gonna, Jesus is gonna see you in Galilee. Tell, tell my boy Peter, I'm gonna see him in Galilee. I've got work to do. I love it. Jesus is like, hey, I'll see you in Galilee. Isn't that, it's just like the story, it's just like the story is, keep, is gonna keep going. And that's, and that's why I think the last part of the story is so important because the, resur- the resurrection story is about fear. It's about our fear. How many of us are dealing with fear right now? How many of us are dealing with the fact that the world is, this, is a bit scarier right now than it has been? Because there is a lot to be afraid of. And I've always seen Easter as like the grand finale, the exclamation point, the epic story, the epic ending, excuse me, to this grand story. But Mark doesn't tell the story of the resurrection in this way. It's not this exclamation point, the end, keep going. It's not that at all. You see, the story ends with fear. The story ends with fear. They, they were afraid and they didn't say anything. Now why would Mark choose to end it with trembling and bewilderment and fear? Well, if you read the story of Jesus through the Gospel of Mark, you see something really interesting. You see a pattern form in the Gospel of Mark. The pattern goes something like this. Fear takes place and then Jesus confronts it and something happens. You see, in the Gospel of Mark, fear is simply the beginning of God doing something new. Maybe the way it's written is that the verse eight ends and then we as disciples are invited to write the verse, verses after that. Verse eight is the end, fear happens and now it's our turn to step into the story and finish the story. It's an invitation because in the Gospel of Mark, what you see is fear is an invitation for something else. There's a story where a woman is bleeding for 12 years and she's spent her life savings on trying to fix it. She uses her money to try to fix her life. Can I get an amen? She uses her money to try to fix a condition that was broken in her life and she spent her life and wasted her life on that investment and eventually she gets to Jesus and she thinks, if I could just get close enough to Jesus, I could touch him and he will heal me me." and that happens. Crowd is gathered, she reaches and touches the cloak of Jesus' robe. Jesus feels the power of, of, of go out and she's healed. And then he stops and he says, who, touches, who touched me? And then what happens in Mark chapter five, verse 33 is it says, trembling with fear, this woman told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, verse 34, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. This is what happened. Fear happens. Fear takes place. And Jesus confirms, affirms that she had faith and that now she can go in freedom and peace and be freed from the suffering. Fear is the beginning of God doing something new. 
A man named Jairus in the same story was taking Jesus to his house. He had a 12-year-old daughter who was dying. And when Jesus heals this woman who touched him, people come and say, it's too late, your daughter's dead. And Jairus, it says, was afraid. Um, And Jesus says to him, don't be afraid, Jairus, just believe. And Jesus goes to his house, goes into the room and uh, brings the girl back to life. Fear produced a miracle. Fear brought something new into Jairus' life and that little girl's life. There's another story in Mark chapter four where there's a storm raging and the disciples are afraid they're gonna die and they wake Jesus up and Jesus rebukes the storm and it says, peace, be still. Fear comes and then peace comes into the story. Fear enters into someone and healing happens. Fear comes and freedom happens. Fear comes and stillness happens. This is what happens in the gospel of Mark. Fear enters into the story and God does something new. Mark chapter uh, 16 verse 7, go tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Go you will see him. He's got work to do. Trembling and bewildered the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. You see brothers and sisters the story ends and it's like Mark's variation of dot 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 to be continued. You get to write the rest of the story. The spirit of God will fall in 50 days on the church. The women who are frustrated will stand up and begin preaching the gospel and leading the church. The disciples who failed will stand up and proclaim the resurrection and begin to serve the church. Those who are afraid will stand faithful as faithful servants to the ends of the earth because frustration is not the end of faith. Frustration is the beginning of faith. Failure is not the end to our discipleship. Failure is the means at which God builds something new and fear is just the beginning. So if you're here, you need to know that fear and failure and frustration are the hinges on the door of faith, trust, and surrender. Fear Failure and frustrations are the hinges of the door of faith. Are the hinges on the door of faith. Of uh, Fear, failure, and frustrations are the hinges on the door of faith, trust, and surrender. Can I get an amen? Thank you so much. You see, the story of Jesus is an invitation to believe. It's an invitation to believe um, and to live out your faith in reality wherever you are. If you're here and you're frustrated by life circumstances and you didn't see it coming, good news. Your frustration in life is not the last word. It doesn't prevent you from showing up. If you're here and you've failed over and over again, I wanna remind you that we have a story about, we know a story about a God who restores and redeems all things. He will release you from your past. He will release you from your failure. He will release you from the things that have gone on in your life and he will use you as an instrument of grace for others. If you're here and you're full of fear and you're dealing with all sorts of anxiety and panic and you don't know how the story's gonna end, I wanna tell you something. Um, Jesus is in the midst of this moment. Jesus can take away that fear. He can, he can take away that uncertainty and he will use 
um, you as a person to build other people's faith in real life. Jesus wants to heal you and calm you and restore you to where you were designed to be, to what you were designed to be. Jesus um, can take what little faith you have and build a world to stand upon. I believe everyone's dealing with fear right now and anxiety and I don't know how the world is coping with everything that's going on without Jesus. I don't know how um, the world is coping without Jesus. So if you're listening, I want you to know that Jesus lived in human history. He died on the cross. He was buried and he has been raised from the dead. He has resurrected from the dead and he currently lives and reigns and he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be in a relationship with him because that's how you were designed to be, to live in perfect loving relationship with the God who created you. And if that's you, I wanna invite you into relationship with him. I wanna invite you to see him and experience him. Jesus, would you bless my brothers and sisters? May we worship now in response and may we honor you, God. I pray that the resurrected Jesus would be real to all of us here and now in your name. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.